didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney. And this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, and look at every single episode of Stranger Things. Starting with season one, we have now made it to season three, episode three, The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. And Colin is here with your summary. The third chapter of Stranger Things 3, titled The Case of the Missing Lifeguard, debuted on Netflix on July 4th, 2019. It was written by Will Bridges and directed by Sean Levy and has a runtime of 49 minutes and 56 seconds. We're still on the night of Sunday, June 30th and find Elle and Max hanging out at the cabin enjoying a little tiger beat before Elle goes into the void to see what the boys are up to. While Lucas and Mike discuss how women are ruled by emotion and not logic, Will still just wants to play some D&D. A drunk hopper comes home and the girls decide to have a sleepover, but not before Spin the Bottle sends Elle back into the void to spy on Billy. She doesn't like what she sees and that Billy can see her. The next morning, Monday, July 1st, Will issues a D&D wake-up call to Mike and Lucas while Hopper gets visited by Joyce, who regales him all about her night with Scott Clark. She convinces Hopper to head back to the lab later to make sure nothing's going on. Max and Elle, meanwhile, check out Billy's bedroom and find a bathtub of melted ice and Heather's bloody lifeguard stuff. Steve and Lucas are on the hunt for spies in the mall, but instead discover a jazzercise instructor. Back at Mike's house, Will's D&D struggles continue, culminating with him storming out and going home. Super sleuths Max and Elle follow the Heather trail to the pool where they snatch a photo so Elle can look for her in the void. Robin finishes translating the Russian message and then puts two and two together with some help from a Lynx delivery guy's shirt and figures out what it all means. They head to the mall roof where they see heavily armed Russian soldiers guarding the loading dock. Joyce and Hopper have arrived back at the lab where they see the sealed gate and have a little heart to heart before Hopper gets his ass kicked by a motorcycle helmet guy. Will, meanwhile, is having a meltdown at Castle Byers before Mike and Lucas show up. Will tells them he's back. At the same time, Nancy and Jonathan arrive at Mrs. Driscoll's only to find the little old lady snacking on fertilizer. Elle and Max visit Heather's house only to find Sweetie Pie Billy there too, promising that everything is just fine. The girls head out and then Heather's mom collapses before Heather whacks her dad and chloroforms him. At least, Heather says, it will all be over soon. The end of chapter three. This is where things really get kicked up a notch, I feel like. I felt like I was taking notes for a week and a half on this episode, (laughs) like all of season three. They're just so complex now. I know. Yeah, there's. Well, and I think it's because they're all on, which it really isn't that different from before, I guess, but they're all on different missions. Yeah. And I think each of the missions are more complicated this time. Yeah, I think it's a much more complex storylines going on. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into anything else, are you ready for your homework? You're late again. I had to get catch up homework. Um, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You dug your own grave with this, buddy. I know. You said, make them as hard as you want. Right. Okay. Number one, what is Heather's street number? Her address. Oh, we'll talk about this much more later, I imagine, but it's 1438. Correct. Number two. Who is listed on Eleven and Max's game board when they're playing Spin the Bottle? Billy, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, obviously. Mrs. Mm -hmm. Wheeler. 
Dustin, mm-hmm. Steve, mm-hmm. Nancy. Mm-hmm. One more. One more. Oh, Mr. Clark. Correct. You did it. You got them all. Yahoo. Okay. We'll, we'll also talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, why, I the, some... why those seven people? But that's okay. I, it, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, number three, what flavor of ice cream does Erica want to sample at Scoops Ahoy? Pe- peppermints. Peppermint stick? No. No, I don't know. Peppermint stick was in another episode, I believe. Okay. This was chocolate peanut butter swirl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, final question. Who does Steve see talking in the mall and gets upset? Oh, I don't remember her name, but yeah, they were they were up on the balcony and it was the guy and he never mm-hmm. came on, he never even came off the bench. Um, I don't I don't remember their names. There's there's no way I'm grabbing that one. Anna Jacoby and Mark Lewinsky. Ah, so not okay. bad, not bad. No, I did all right. I really wasn't sure you would get the Heather one. And then I was like, well, wait until we get to the movie references. Yeah, so, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I'll definitely yeah, get it. Yeah, no, it was kind of, you know, because I, I watched them now, like, what is Whitney going to ask me? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Like the, uh, yeah, the other four uh, lifeguards on the board were Adam, Zoe, Freddie, and I can't remember the other one, but yeah, so the, <laughs> I was just trying to think of all the well so honestly I watch them and I just keep an eye out for like scenes that have a bunch of details in them yeah, yeah. in the background but this one I like watched it two or three times couldn't see anything and so I just went through on my laptop and like held the cursor over the bar yeah. and went and stopped when I knew like they were talking about something that right was related or whatever yeah well so so let's go well i was going to talk a little bit about the whole tiger beat and super teen and and well why don't we start there because that's the start with old ralph macchio and the girls looking at tiger tiger beat and and super teen magazine and stuff which i thought was which i thought was kind of fun and then hopper (laughs) coming home very drunk apparently driving home drunk which is just just great chief of police do whatever he wants but i looked it up and the the tiger beat that l is looking at us from january of 1985 it's a real issue so good on the props people for putting how that old was ralph macchio in 1985 40 42 <laughs> i mean it feels like it he's like 50 something now well, he, was, he was like way into his 20s i think when he did karate kid right i mean he was he was not a teenager i remember that i remember thinking he was or or finding out he was like 28 or or something like that when he did karate kid are you serious well yeah he was born in 61 he was 23 so 23 yeah 23 i remember hearing that he was old well that's wild yeah okay so spin the bottle seven names why Why weren't luke why was lucas and mike not on there because they had just seen them i'm kind of going on the thought too yeah probably just because they had just seen them but uh, I'm kind of going on the thought too that does she have the ability? I mean, could she have put a picture of like you know President Reagan in front of her or Ralph Macchio I'm, or? I think she can do that because I think that's part of the reason. I think that was what Brenner wants to use her for. Right. So why is wouldn't she say in, like Ralph Macchio, Ricky Schroeder, John Taylor, Simon Lebon, you know, 
to be totally honest, <laughs> I think they forgot. Probably. I think the writers yeah. forgot about it. Yeah, but why and, why on earth? Okay. Never minding that. Why, why Mr. Wheeler? Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler on it. Yeah. I mean, good gravy. I don't know. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. It was just, it was just kind of, this is the kind of stuff that enters your head after you watch it the seventh or eighth time in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Right. So then we get to, she actually gets in and she sees Billy. And I like, I really like the effect of the first, the effect of kind of her silhouette kind of vibrating in and out that he, so from his point of view of like seeing L and, yes. and then him smoky disappearing, which I thought was, I thought it was really cool. It was a really neat, neat effect. They have a bunch of neat effects in this episode. Cause I also think it's a really cool effect when I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when she's searching for Heather oh, and Heather bathtub. says, yeah. help mm-hmm. yeah, and Heather really says, cool. help me. But, but it also makes me wonder where was Heather when that happened? Was she in the bathtub? Well, as far as I know, she's still on the floor in the Brimborn Steelworks, but I mean, that's all we know at this point. So I, it, it may have just been more of a vision than a, like a, what was really going on in her life right yeah. there, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, so then the girls head to Billy's house. Um, they have the little discussion about Billy's <laughs> happy screams <laughs> and the noises that he would be making. Which again, why 11 can say certain things, but she can't say other things. There was something she said when Max was sitting next to her and she said she was going to, Oh, well, they were talking about that right right at the beginning when they were talking about whether or not he's a good kisser and he's the ex-boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She She was just like, I don't know. I've. Yeah. She had really kind of stilted speech. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah. They go back and forth with that. And I just want to be like, just, we get it. Okay. But you're back. (laughs) You're back now. Right. I do like, um, it's been kind of scattered throughout this season, the Valley Girl speak that's been going on, the totalies and for sures and stuff. They're kind of they're kind of there, but we first we get the uh, you know, gag me with a spoon when Max opens the drawer and sees the um the porn in Billy's. Oh drawer. yeah. I actually looked those up too, and they were the actual February and May 1985 issues of Penthouse. So those are those are real too. So those people where yeah, the Duffer brothers are going to call you and be like, can we just hire you to like check all this stuff? You're the only person that notices, but I know that's just, you know, why not? Why not check and see, you know, just, <laughs> just, just out of curiosity. So, so then we got the bathtub full of melted ice. Um, and obviously they don't know what's going on with that, but you know, Will would very quickly speak up and go, I know what that is. Well, I, I wondered if did Max never hear that? From Will in season two? I don't think so. I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, he likes it cold or whatever. I don't know. I mean, she remembers she... that they had to burn it out of him. Yeah, I don't know. Early? Yeah. I don't know. But again, it could totally just be something with his muscles. You know, like an ice bath is something that athletes do. So that's true. Yeah, she mentioned that. You know, he works out all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the scene with the bathtub, which I thought was great. I love the sound design mm-hmm. um, on that and the way it was shot. Uh, Craig Hannigan, uh, we've mentioned him a couple of times on the podcast. He's the sound design, does all the sound design editing. Um, but I thought that was really good. It was also really good, I thought, in the scene, and we'll talk more about the scoop troop later, but when Robin had the headphones on and was and Erica was talking, the way the sound design was, you know, kind of the headphones on, headphones off, that was really good too. Oh, um, yeah. just really good you know and and i don't know i i can i don't know if it, i'm like prejudiced but i can you can just kind of tell when sean levy's directing an episode it's just kind of not that it's 
bad before, but there, it's just, I know, yeah. it's just raised just a little bit more, you know, it's just, there's just something different about it. Yeah. So then eventually we get to the Holloway house and this was what I was, I don't know if we talked about this last week or I was thinking it last week that Heather and her dad are, you know, he is the editor of the yeah. Hawkins post. Uh-huh. And, and so they are, you know, father, daughter. Oh, that's right. I was, I was going to talk about it. Um, no, they hadn't mentioned Heather's name. Right. I was going to talk about it, how he was so squeamish about Nancy and her girl problems. Yes. And I was going to mention. he has a daughter. He has a teenage daughter. <laughs> right. But, you know, going back to episode one credits, she's called Heather Holloway and he's called Tom Holloway. So if yeah, people they actually just never say her name, if they ever, you know, if you looked at the credits, you could kind of put two and two together mm-hmm. and, and this wouldn't have been a surprise, but it was kind of a surprise. I remember at the moment. Like, oh, I remember being like, oh, that's his daughter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then we get the terrifying scene of Janet collapsing and then Tom getting whacked over the head with the wine bottle in the chloroform. So creepy with uh, Don McLean's American pie. Yeah. The juxtaposition just, of, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a you know, kind of a fun, lilty part of the song. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, okay. So then we get to the boys. I liked Which, a lot of their scenes. It was, it I was... love these scenes with the boys too, but I have to ask you a question. Why do you think that Dustin isn't around? Is he mad at everyone still over Cerebro? I think maybe he's just kind of hanging out with Steve. And I mean, if you were a boy, wouldn't you rather be hanging out with Steve than? It's just not like Dustin to ditch his friends. It's yeah. very undustin like I could see Mike yeah. doing it. I could see yeah. Mike ditching them to hang out with the cooler kids. I mean, but... at the base level, it could just be a plot convenience. I, I mean, think it really, is. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I do what you're saying. I mean, and you know, and I mean, Will calls it out yeah. in the in the in the garage. You know, you where is Dustin? You don't even know where Dustin is and you don't care, you know, and I don't blame him, you know. So Yeah. And I, I just I get such a kick out of Will and his D and D. He gets all I, issues. I love me some Will Byers, and I think Noah is fantastic, but he gets on my nerves with this wanting to play D and D all the time. Like, give it, oh, just, give it a rest, boy. Like, well, give it, read the room first of all. Yeah, you know, take a look around. You know, these kids are not interested. You may be, but they are clearly not. So don't don't push it. And I, I honestly, I feel like this is where they're setting this up. I think they're setting up Will's storyline that he's going to struggle with either coming out or his sexuality or something. And I think this is all going to play back into it because this is the, like, we know we had the mention Joyce mentioned that the kids called him queer in season one. Yeah. This season, Mike says, it's not my fault that you don't like girls. Right. And Will gets upset after that. And that's when this whole emotional outburst happens. Right. And there were there were two points earlier in the episode where Will says gross to the idea of, you know, Mike and Ellen. And, and, and then he mm-hmm. was talking with I think it was Joyce. He was talking with Joyce. Right. And he was saying there's a flashback where he said there's a flashback that says he's never going to get married. Never going to fall in love. Yeah. yeah. So there was an article in I think it was the Hollywood Reporter and they interviewed Finn um, and asked him actually about that line you know the it's oh really you don't like girls and finn at the time and i'll post a link to the article so you guys could read it said that they actually shot several different versions and one of the versions they shot was it's not my fault that you don't like girls yet and then they they did another version which is the version that ended up in the show that said it's not my fault you don't like girls and and then so 
And there was the whole question of Will's sexuality. And, and, you know, and Noah's actually, there's another article actually too, where he's interviewed and says, you know, you got to kind of, you know, make what you want out of it. And that's, uh, that's an article from the rap. And I'll actually post mm-hmm. that one too. So Noah's take is you just kind of, you make of it what you want to make of it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to, you know, read lines. And I think that's him trying to not let any, I think that's him trying to not give anything away. Oh, absolutely. So the other thing in that article was they in that interview with Noah, um, he was talking about how um, fun it was to film the um, breakdown at Castle Byers. He he really got into it. You know, it was a, they had fake rain going, mm-hmm. and and they said, "Here's a baseball bat, just go crazy." And he said it was like the first time that he really got a chance to you know just kind of you know go nuts and and kind of go off on stuff. So it was a good little interview. Um, there's a couple spoilers in it, but you know. Um, for us Stranger Things people is not an issue, but it was it was a it was a good interview with him. He kind of went through everything, but he did specifically talk about the Castle Buyers scene. So, yeah. Uh, oh, two quick things I wanted to mention. First, I <laughs> thought it was hilarious when he wakes them up the next day and they're all acting like they're like so hungover. I thought it was like I was like, is it like four a.m., five a.m.? Yeah, like, is that I don't why know. It's it so just, early? It just, I mean, there it, it was like. I mean, it's one thing to be woken up, at a, but I mean, they're like, oh, God, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, why are you acting like you're hungover and you have headaches and stuff? You probably had nachos and new Coke. And, yeah. And Mountain you know, Dew may and... have stayed up a little late. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but the other thing I wanted to mention, and this goes back to the first season, too, because remember, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons and Will. Um, oh, actually, Mike was a dungeon master at that point, And he put out the Demogorgon. So that kind of foreshadowed what was happening for that season in this one. Will puts out a horde of juju zombies, which is, you know, spoiler alert, foreshadowing what's coming later in this season. So I thought that was a, that was a nice little touch. I have lots of information for season four, but I'm not going to say it yet because (laughs) there is more foreshadowing to be seen and to come, I should say, with Will. So the boy storyline ends with him getting goosebumps on the back of his neck and telling the telling Mike and Lucas that he's back. So that's kind of where we we leave. Which um, why didn't Will tell them when he got the chills in the when he felt it when they were seeing Donna or Day of the Dead? I have a feeling he was hoping that it was just goosebumps. <laughs> and now he realizes that it's not just goosebumps and that he really is back. Yeah. All right, so let's go to Hopper and Joyce. I love the scenes when Joyce is telling Hopper about her night and and just the way hopper delivers the line who's scott (laughs) i you child science teacher i just thought that was so hilarious it's so i feel like it's pretty unconventional but i am so attracted to david harbour in this role even i feel like he he's the one that really got the whole dad bod is that is that me or am i making that up like no yeah I don't think he invented it, but yeah, I think he was a strong proponent. Right. Like, I mean, cause he is, he is a hefty man in this season. He, he looks like he has put on a significant amount of weight from season one. And, you know, I was looking back at clips from season one earlier today and I was shocked how much thinner his face was. And, and I don't know if he was bulking up for his role in black widow. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. But I just, I just love his line delivery in that and the whole bit and how Joyce, even when he reminds her that <laughs> she stood him up, she's still like, uh, I mean, she's like, feels bad for half a second. And then she keeps going. I think it's kind of rude 
to be honest, of Joy. Yes, I do too. Yeah. I, I mean, she's just so flippant about the fact that she completely stood him up and, you know, it was embarrassing. And she, I understand she has a much bigger issue at hand because she thinks that, you know, the monsters from this other world are coming back, but throw in an apology. Say and you I, could, and you, you couldn't ask me who stood up Hopper in ninth grade. And I could have told you Alice Gilbert. I knew you were going to, I knew you would know okay. that. <laughs> So then they get to the lab, um, have their little heart to heart. He shows her the cemented up wall. They have the, well, first they have the little flashback to Bob. Oh, um, just always sucks to see Bob. It really does. Die. Um, I did like the transition from the light uh, or the camera, the security camera transitioning into, into uh, Dustin's binoculars. I thought that was a nice little, yeah. nice little d- dissolve. But then they mention. Hopper mentions to Joyce that he knows that she's trying to sell the house. And then I know it was her attempted humor mentioning, you know, Scott Clark when he was saying, you know, the you real know, bad timing. Yeah. There are people here that love you and they're right in front of you and this kind of thing. And she's like, Oh, you mean like Scott Clark, which I thought was, you know, kind of schmucky. And then we get helmet, uh, motorcycle helmet guy. So this is the guy who strangled the scientist in the first episode, the mm-hmm. Darth Vader strangle. Uh, and then he was also seen very briefly walking past Hopper while he was waiting outside Mayor Klein's office. And then he was also in Enzo's when Hopper goes out. Um, Hopper leaves the restaurant and the motorcycle helmet guy who is still unnamed, but does get a name eventually. And then uh, so he he watches Hopper. He's sitting at the bar when Hopper goes out. And so this is the same guy who then beats the crap out of Hopper and then drives off on, on his motorcycle. So um, if we're keeping track of motorcycle helmet guy, that's where he is. So motorcycle helmet. Okay, so let's talk about Nancy and Jonathan real quick, and then we'll wrap up with the scoops trip before we get into our segments and stuff. Okay. I just think Nancy and Jonathan got really screwed in this season. I I think Nancy and Jonathan are a very boring couple. They are just not yeah. exciting to me. Yeah, they, this whole storyline just kind of it just kind of it goes in like obviously it's a key part of yeah. what happens, but. I I know that they're dating in real life, but they lack chemistry. I feel like on screen. Yeah, they really do. I, I do too. I think that too. Yeah. I think they had more chemistry, you know, in the whole thing when she was down in the tree and he was looking forward, mm-hmm. he rescued her from the tree. And, and when they were practicing shooting, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, like just, just getting I mean, when they were like getting to know one another, yeah. there was more and yeah. they are just. I know like opposites tracked all that, but they're too different. I think to really, I don't know. They just, they're that couple does not do it for me. No. And, and their, their storyline is, there's nothing really fun about it either. I mean, it's no, just kind of, there's nothing. It's exploding rats. It's crazy old lady eating fertilizer. And you know, it's just kind of, yeah. And like you feel know. every time Nancy's at work, you feel bad for her because the, the men there are awful to her. And then yeah. Jonathan is just so oblivious to what's going on with her and he's kind of yeah yeah it was, it was actually kind of funny i was going to mention obviously the the title of the episode the case of the missing lifeguard is a kind of a play on a nancy drew title but i could not not think of encyclopedia brown mm-hmm. did you ever read encyclopedia brown i didn't i know who you're talking about but i never got into it i mean all of his little yeah. cases were the case of the you know whatever mm-hmm. So before I ever saw the episode, I'm like, oh, they're playing on, you know, kind of Encyclopedia Brown, but it's really playing on Nancy Drew. But well, maybe I feel like Encyclopedia Brown played on Nancy Drew. Well, I mean, everything was, I mean, Agatha Christie wrote the case of the, you know, yeah, things too. True, so. true. Uh, okay. So let's, let's wrap it up with the Scoops Troop stuff. 
I love how Steve describes Robin to Dustin. Weirdo, hyper, did drama, is in band. Is in band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, those are bad things. Those yeah. Are- <laughs> I mean, I think it's just proving how like dumb Steve is, like just how ditzy and yeah. like stereotypical. Well, oblivious. Yeah. Too. I mean, I mean, he's so concerned about hitting on these, you know, you know, poofy hair girls that come in for ice cream, you know, that, you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing that Joyce and Hopper did. Like you're not seeing the person that's directly in front of you kind of thing. So, right. Yeah. I also loved when they were chasing the jazzercise guy and Dustin thinks that he spotted him. So he picks up the phone. Hello. Hello. Yes, I am fine. How are you? Why does he talk like that when he does it? Hello. (laughs) It really reminded me of my, I am fine. My favorite probably my favorite all-time movie and movie that I've watched more than any other is Star Wars. And my favorite bit in Star Wars, hands down, is when Han Solo goes up to the detention block and he has to get on the radio and explain to them what's going on to keep the stormtroopers from coming. Uh, Everything's under control, situation normal. What happened? Uh, It's like weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine, we're all fine here now, thank you. How are you? It was kind of the same thing. It's yeah. just kind of going on in my brain. So, I well, I'm, we're, we'll have to come back to this scene anyways, because it's in a later segment. But. So Robin finally cracks the code. A trip to China sounds nice if you tread lightly. Blue meets yellow in the West. All, you know, silver cat feeds, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I love Robin's reaction when Steve and Dustin come back and she's just like, I cracked it. I cracked the code. Yeah. Just how yeah. she says it. Yeah. I love her affectation. And then there's a little scene up on the roof. So. And that'll obviously will that'll obviously play back out play out more in, in the next episode. But I think that's it for kind of notes of the segment. Do you want to kind of go on to other stuff? And do you want to go to the movies? Sure. We should be at the mall or like watching a movie or something. Uh, I had four. This no no I lied I had three. I have I have several. Well, well I I kind of you know a lot of these like last week mentioning Carrie Elwes. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a movie's reference. It was just everybody knows him from the Princess Bride. So right. the opening shot of Max's feet on the floor reminded me of Footloose, the opening credits to Footloose with mm-hmm. all the feet dancing. The, uh, I thought Billy's car had a kind of a Christine. Was, that's look. the one I, I got one of those Christine where it was when Elle visits Billy and his yeah. car, it looks like Christine, like the way, yeah, and I don't know if, kinda, if that is, that's the angle that me and you were discussing. Yeah, I think it's just kind of shot from the ground looking up. It kind of looks like Christine a little bit. Yeah. Just naming a character Heather in a movie with a Winona Ryder, you can't help but think of Heather's. We haven't mentioned, actually, um, and we should have in the first episode, the Scoops Ahoy outfits are very reminiscent and obviously a ripoff of Fast Times um, and the Captain Hook fish and chips with the pirate hats and all that kind of stuff. Yep. When the in the jazzer size scene, I couldn't help but think of Perfect, the Jamie Lee Curtis movie about aerobics. I've never even it was seen same, it. It was very same idea. They're kind of wearing the you know the tight aerobics you know spandex. Which why uh, why did women wear those? Like why would you wear a thong leotard to go work out in? I'm just not sure. I never have, so I don't know. I haven't either. So you asked. I think it was in the last episode. You asked about whether or not the Duffers had explicitly referenced Invasion of the Body Snatchers or some mm-hmm. of the old ones. So we kind of get an answer in this one. Invasion of the Body Snatchers was directed by Philip Kaufman, and the name of the shoe store is Kaufman's. Kaufman Shoes. Yeah. So I had 
Nancy's house number? Yes. Was 1438. No, Heather's number yep. was 1438. Heather's was 1438. Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street is 1428. With the same red door. Same. The same, same red door. And A Nightmare on Elm Street is going to play a lot more into, it's going to come into play a lot more in season four. So there's like, they're really leaning hard into horror next season. And I know that they are really taking a lot from Nightmare on Elm Street. I also Um, have, go ahead. uh, Rocky three. When four, three was uh, Mr. T clubber Lang. Anyways, when Dustin describes the Russian, he basically describes Ivan Drago. From uh, Dolph Lundgren, yeah, right yeah, before. Yeah. Tall, tall, blonde, and tall, not smiling. Tall, blonde, carrying a, a duffel bag, not smiling. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Pretty significant Stepford Wives vibe from uh, Heather when she was kind of serving the cookies. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing. I sat and looked at what they were eating for dinner. I didn't know if you were going to ask me what they were eating for dinner. <laughs> like roast chicken and green beans, and she brings out a plate of chocolate chips, cookies. And then the last one I was going to mention was the yellow slicker that Max has on was you, you just it. can't help it. Yeah. I can't think of it. Yeah. When, with the, anytime you see a kid in a yellow raincoat. I think season four is going to be really my niche when we yeah, get to. You, you've only mentioned it about 28 times since we started half an hour ago. What? So, yeah. Season four? Season, season four. No, I'm saying that season four is going to be where I shine with movie references because it's going to be all horror. Right. That's true. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not a big horror person as we all know. So, okay. So that does it for movies. Yeah. 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 So it's time for Colin to tell us what he remembers about 1985. Colin moment this week, we're going to talk about teen magazines. I was not into Tiger Beat and Super Teen. I never even heard of Super Teen. Tiger Beat I had heard of at least, but there were three magazines um, and they're not really teen magazines, but Hit Parader and Circus were two huge music magazines in the 80s. They were generally kind of skewed more towards the heavy metal and the hair bands, you know, so it was more Motley Crue and, and Poison and mm-hmm. Rat and Judas Priest and Scorpions and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved Hit Parader and Circus. And then the other magazine I read all the time was called Song Hits. All it was was a magazine of popular songs and, and the lyrics were written out. So it was basically a big, huge magazine of lyrics. What? I mean, that's why everybody saved their cassette. Yeah, no, but fold some out. cassettes some cassettes didn't have the fold out. Yeah. So I would get Song Hits Magazine and you would get the lyrics to every song. What? Or, well, not every song, but you know. That's wild. I remember I had, I had I had one issue. I don't know what was in it, but I remember having this issue forever. It had Joan Jett on the cover. I mean, it's a good idea. I, yeah. I, I mean, like their website's dedicated to maybe whoever created song hits decided to come up with like lyrics.com or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I was I was all over magazines and stuff when I was a kid. Did you have any like teen magazines that you got into? Well, I was only five. So I did. Highlights for children. Highlights. Yep. I, I um, had that. And then it wasn't so much a magazine as it was just like a monthly book delivery that like was delivered. It was Sweet Pickles Bus. I don't know okay. if you remember that. Sweet Pickles Bus had the commercials, had a bunch of animals driving a bus that looked like a pickle. And they would come and they would drop off 
every week was a different book focusing on a different letter of the alphabet and they would drop off. Well, I was pissed when I got it and this that damn pickle bus did not show up to my door. It was just the stupid mailman. I felt robbed. I was I remember crying over it. Yeah, when you were five, I was 14, so I wasn't really into the pickle bus thing. <laughs> I mean, when I was in high school, I was never really, I mean, I think I had a subscription to 17, I yeah. think. Or maybe there was another one. There was 17, and I can't, oh, uh, YM. Uh, so I had, I had a subscription to one of those, and I remembered. Yeah. But, I mean, I always felt like the advice was real cheesy, and yeah. I was never allowed to, like, take pages for magazines and tape like posters for magazines and tape them over to my wall i was not allowed to do that i yeah. lord i had the i had all i had debbie gibson all over my wall oh i could have posters but i had to a get them approved by brenda and b then they had to be framed so there were no just loose pages yeah a lot of times what wall. i would do is i would take i remember i had a clock and there was like a space under the clock. So it was a clock and it was like a restaurant clock because my dad uh, was a food service salesman. So he got, it was like a Coca-Cola clock in the bars. Yeah, you know, yeah. Clock on top, it said Coca-Cola in red underneath mm-hmm. it. So I took my Debbie Gibson, uh, only in my dreams, 45 and stuck that under my clock. So I had clock and then I had Debbie Gibson, you know, right oh, under that. that's cool. Yeah, so, I know. I was, I, I feel like my room was mainly filled with Disney posters because that's uh, what Brenda approved of. So Yeah, that's just boring. <laughs> okay, so after a couple of weeks off, we return to the land of where in the world is. And I'm going to tell you, I don't even know any locations ever mentioned this week. So when when Will is getting ready to play Dungeons of Dragons, he mentions Dungeons and Dragons. He mentions to the kids that the monsters are coming to attack the swamps of Kuzatan. So, do you think it's a real D and D location, or do you think it's a made up location? I'm going to go with real because I feel like the Duffer brothers did their research with D and D, but I mean, I have never played D and D in my life. So as far as I can tell, it's made up. Really? That shocks me. Yeah, it did. It shocked me too. And this was another one where I'm trying to Google it without Googling stranger things. So I'm like swamps of Kuzaton, but don't yeah. search for stranger things. So, and I couldn't come up with anything. So I, I think they made it up. I don't know where it came from. That's bizarre. Um, so I was also trying to kind of think of, you know, is Kuzatan like a play on words yeah. or something? Or is it like a scrambled up word or something? But yeah, as far as I know, Swamps of Kuzatan is not a real thing and they made it up. Yeah. So I just, I kind of, as soon as I get anything that even sounds like a location, I grab onto it so I could hit you with it. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, a couple of little things before we talk about music. Wait, did, did you see something? Yeah. What, what, did, what did you see? Yeah. I don't have any this week, but you proceed. I loved, uh, it's just, again, it's, you know, watch these things long enough. Uh, Hopper's routine when he gets out of the shower. So he's half naked towel around him. Joyce comes over. He puts on his cop shirt. He takes off the cop shirt, puts on his undershirt, kind of his Henley undershirt. And then he puts the cop shirt on over the Henley shirt. So he goes from naked yeah. cop shirt, naked Henley cop shirt you know now that you said this i did find it weird that he kept the towel on when yeah. he put the shirt on i feel yeah. like most normal routines go you take the towel off you put your underwear on then right. if you're a woman you put your bra on then pants then a top 
why would you put on the shirt and then take off the shirt right. and put on an undershirt and then put the shirt back on again? It was I just feel like maybe strange. he was flustered. Yeah, could be, could be. Billy has a new poster in his room, which I thought was good. It was for the band Tank and their new album, Filth Hounds of Hades, which was a 80s, pretty ferocious hair metal band. So I just a little shout out to Billy's poster on his wall. And then right after that, you, we had mentioned, I could have mentioned this earlier, actually, um, the whole scene with Heather in the bathtub and stuff. But before they did that, when they found the ice in the bathtub, mm-hmm. there's a shot that Sean um, took, well, Tim Ives, the cinematographer took. Um, so you're under the water in the bathtub and they pull the thing out and you see the water drip on the water. So the camera is underwater. The shot is you're essentially in the bathtub looking out at them through the water and the water from the ice bag drips kind of right in front of the lens, which I thought was kind of a neat little thing. Uh, And then the last thing, which I really got a kick out of on the bulletin board of the lifeguards in the bottom right corner is a little paper ad for guitar lessons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the guitar lessons are offered by Chris Forster. And Chris Forster is a production assistant on Stranger Things. So the guy who's oh, in charge funny. of, you know, kind of props and, and you know, being a production assistant. He just put, put his, his name own, in there. Put his name on the guitar lessons flyer. That's so I thought funny. that was kind of funny. So, okay, music. So music supervisor Nora Felder, who we've talked about before, got an Emmy nomination for this episode. Uh, didn't win, but was nominated. So um, good on her for that one. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with, aside from the obvious songs, you know, Angel and Lover Girl and and Wake Me Up Before You Go and American Pie, there was a lot of like kind of random 80s songs that, mm. I mean, they had to really, you know, you know, deep dive 80s songs. But anyway, we'll go through these one by one. So first song is Angel by Madonna. This is playing when Max and Al are kind of dancing around and looking at boy magazines. Uh, came out in April of 1985, uh, so just a couple months before this in the timeline. Went to number five, and at the time, tied Madonna with Olivia Newton-John for most consecutive top five hits by a woman at the time. So, yeah, Madonna. Second song I want to talk about is Phone to Phone by Life by Night. This is the song that the girls are listening to when Hopper stumbles home. And this is one of these deep dive 80s things. Never really went anywhere, never really did anything. But I mean, I never even heard of Life by Night. And I'm like, I was like all about 80s music at the time. So just kind of like like these little random songs. So next one is Lover Girl by the late, great Tina Marie. This is when they were playing Spin the Bottle. Came out in October of 1984 and went to number four for Tina Marie. Good song. Next song I want to mention is a little off the beaten path. And this is the song that Will plays for the boys to kind of put them in the mood for Dungeons and Dragons the first time. And this is a song called The Pod Dance by Trevor Jones. And this is a song from The Dark Crystal which came out in 1982. So a song from the Dark Crystal soundtrack that Nora Felder decided to bring in to kind of give it the medieval flair. Next song is another one of these 80s deep dives. It's called All Your Reasons Why by Smart Remarks. This is a 
this is the song that uh, is playing uh, in the dark room when Nancy and Jonathan are um, talking about going to go see Miss Driscoll. This is another band. They were around from 1980 to 1984, never really went anywhere, never had a single that charted. Super deep dive 80 song, but you know, kind of catchy. Next one is Things Can Only Get Better by Howard Jones. Came out in February of 1985, went to number five on the charts. This is when Dustin and Steve are looking through their binoculars. And the great thing about this song, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to post a link to it. The music video for this song. All music videos in the 80s were weird. All of them. This one, this it's a it's a performance video. So you have kind of performance videos and concept video. This is a performance video of Howard Jones in concert performing this. The outfits on himself and the guys in the band. If you haven't seen this video, I will post a link to it so you can watch it absolutely hilarious and then like two-thirds of the way through the video like a mosh pit opens up in the crowd and there's like a karate kid thing going on and then there's like you uh, could literally tell me anything and i'd be like yep probably And there's like a a charlie chaplin dude dancing around with the cane and the cost it's just the weirdest video but at the time it's like such an 80s video so (laughs) go check I'll, i'll post a link to it Next song is Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wayne. Wake me up before you go, go, leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. Wake me up before you go, go, Came out in August of 84. This is the Jazzercise song. Went to number one, stayed there for three weeks. Do you know why it's called Wake Me Up Before You Go Go? Have you heard the story behind this? No, I just assumed George Michael was telling whoever was in his bed to wake him up before they left. No, 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 no. <laughs> Here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Andrew Ridgely, the other half of Wham, uh, was living at home, actually lived at home with his parents pretty much through all of Wham's run. He, um, said at the time they were just on the road all the time. So it just made sense to not have a house. He would just kind of crash with his parents whenever they came back. And so one day Andrew needed his parents to wake him up so they could, so he could get to an appointment. So he wrote a, a note for his mom and left it on the door and he wrote, wake me up, up and didn't realize that he had written up twice until he had already written it twice. So then he just decided because he wrote up twice that he would also write go twice. So he wrote, wake me up, up before you go, go. And then he told George about it and they decided to make a song called wake me up before you go, go. So that's, that's pretty cute. That's where it came from. Yeah. Last song is American pie by Don McLean. Came out in October of 1971, spent four weeks at number one, lasted eight minutes and 42 seconds. And why has this song been in the news lately? God, I don't know. I don't watch the news. I don't want to be depressed. Our beloved Taylor Swift has a connection to this song. What is it? Taylor Swift, a couple of weeks ago with her 10 minute version of All Too Well. Oh, she beat it? Bumped American Pie out of the longest song to be a number one song well who knew you knew but she said and, and look it up because it's kind of neat or actually i can i can post a link to that too she actually sent him flowers and a nice little note saying you know i'm kind of standing on the shoulders of greatness and you know kind of no hard feelings you know i love your song and what you know, a true kind of taylor thing to do yeah so little story behind american pie and, and taylor swift so okay superlatives what do you got let's start with most 80s i've got the jazzercise scene couldn't be more 80s i did too that's what i had written down i mean 
the bright colors, the unnecessary pieces of fabric between women's butt cheeks over top of more fabric. So it's like three layers of fabric. Right. In your butt cheeks in between them. So you have a leotard and then you put a string on over the leotard. And I I like, I don't know. I, maybe they don't, but I assumed you'd wear underwear with that. So you've got underwear, you've got the, the, the leggings or, you know, the shorts Leotard kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got the bathing suit with the thong over top. Yeah. Yeah. Women's butt cheeks hated them in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, but oh God, jazzercise was such a huge thing. I remember. Which I don't know. Like, why was it so big? Cause people yeah. had never danced before. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like Tybo in the nineties, right? It was just kind of, it was just kind of a fad, right? I mean, jazzercise came around and. Jazzercise is still going strong. I feel like. I mean, I remember, I remember Richard Simmons was big in the eighties and then Denise Austin came along and that whole thing. And, there yeah. was a, a, a jazzercise for kids on the Disney channel called Mousercise. Yeah. That I watched. Yeah, it's still around. Jazzercise is still oh, around. Yeah. Still have, yeah it's There's all still the place, like so. classes at my local gym. Yeah. Okay. Best line. So mine sounds kind of lame, but it is what made me laugh the hardest. And it's when Hopper, Joyce comes to Hopper's house and it's just how he says it. Oh, look who it is. We need to talk. Yeah, we do. I haven't stood up like that since Alice Gilbert in the ninth grade. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, I mentioned it earlier, but it's like, the, who's Scott? It's just how he pauses and says it. Like, wait a second. I just, I, I like how, because, you know, you would normally think it'd be like, who's Scott? Yeah. But he's like, who's Scott? Which <laughs> is really cool. Uh, so my best line was when Max and Elle were walking and Max was trying to explain happy screams to Elle. And then she finally gave up. When Billy is alone with a girl, they make like, really crazy noises they scream yeah but like happy screams happy screams what is happy screams it's like i'm just gonna lend you my mom's cosmo okay so that leaves we got everything so mvps yep we have to do mvps and scariest is that what's left oh yes stranger thing yes well let's do stranger thing first then what's most stranger thing uh stranger thing was billy and and heather at her her, her parents house yeah, the whole thing with the the wine bottle and the chloroform and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, That's yeah, I had that too. I had I had Driscoll eating the fertilizer. Mrs. Driscoll eating the fertilizer first. I, um, but the uh, it's I, just kind of ca- I like I kind of laugh at that scene. Just because of the way she whips her head it's around. so weird. See, that's the thing. If it was like scariest, sure. Billy and Heather and chloroform and whacking people with wine bottles. But that was just strange. Yeah. Little little old lady, you know, huddled over a table. Well, she just. Stuffing her mouth full of I mean, fertilizer. She, it makes you laugh because she was acting like a rat. Like she was yeah. like jerking around and like, yeah. like shoving <laughs> it, it in her mouth. It was weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a stranger thing. Okay, MVP. I, I went with Max. I went with not a actor or actress. I went with the character of Max because I is... thought she kind of she kind of kind of drove the uh, drove the episode, and it was, she kind of it was like her first real kind of starring episode. And, yeah. And, but she was the one like the third of the way through. She was the one that kind of guided Elle all over the place and got them to where they needed to go and helped her uncover the clues and be all Nancy Drew and everything. So yeah. I gave it to Max. Yeah, I actually gave it to robin this week for you know good robin last week you gotta get off i thought i loved robin i love her well it was between robin and hopper and i thought i chose hopper too much so i went with robin (laughs) listen it's always gonna be robin hopper or steve that's true yeah (laughs) 
Okay, so I think that does it. That does it for this week. If you like what you hear, you can always subscribe and or leave us a review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I should say. You can email us at scoopsahoypod at gmail.com if you want to contribute your own superlative or just let us know how you think we're doing. We love to hear from our fans. You can find us on all the socials at scoopsahoypod. That's Twitter and Facebook. And that does it for this week. Next week, we will be covering season three, episode four, the sauna test. So I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Bixabay.